You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Okay, ladies, I have something I need to get off my chest. I struggle with feelings of guilt when I drive by certain areas where I live and there are homeless people that appear to maybe not be homeless. I'm not really sure, but they're presenting themselves as being homeless. So I read something the other day and it's a, a wonderful article by a man named Kevin Dahlgren. And he is a leading expert on homelessness and lives in Portland, Oregon. I've been to Portland, Oregon. They have a lot of homeless on the streets, under bridges, and a, a serious problem that I'm sure many governments and townships and counties are trying to manage as it seems to be a growing problem here in America. So, how do we help the homeless? How do we get them off the streets? The headline on this article states, don't enable their behavior. And this is, this is where the rub comes in for me <laughs> because I struggle when I'm driving by this serious intersection in my city where there is a homeless person standing on every corner. And honestly, if you stop to give them something, you're going to cause an accident. It's a problem. And they are parked, they're literally sitting at traffic lights. And so I'm sure they're literally banking on, well, you're going to be there for a certain amount of time. You can dig in your wallet and hand them money, which is I'm sure all they want. They don't want my granola bars and little orange juice thing that I'm drinking um, which I'm thinking, you need a good meal. You just need good food and a job. And I can give you a business card and I can tell you, which I actually, I actually did once. I stopped, I pulled over because this young woman who was an immigrant, she held a sign, I don't speak English. She held in English, the sign said, I don't speak English. <laughs> need help, have family, children, need food. And I stopped and pulled over. I rolled down my window and she came over and she said, hi. And I said, I know right now that just down the street here, and I listed as named a store, they're hiring. You can work in this particular grocery store. And I said, I can help you find transportation. And she looked at me and said, no English, no English. And I just said, money, I did the, like the sign language, food, money, work. And that's what I did. And she went, no English. And then she just nodded and nodded and turned away from me. And so I, I'm admitting I have a real struggle when I see homeless people. I want to help homeless people. I know we have a real problem and it goes so much deeper than just somebody lost their job. You have 
mental illness involved. You have dysfunction, you have drug addiction, you have all sorts of things that governments in many areas, I'm sure, are trying to deal with, but I'm sure it's so overwhelming. Where in the world do you start? Okay. This is a huge <laughs> subject, and its I have a lot to say about it, and I know you do too, Judy. Um, you're right on the money there when you say that the problem is mental illness, drug abuse, or alcohol abuse, and then you have a third segment that are just people that they don't want to work. They just want to be out there and kind of grub off of everybody else. So you have three different segments of homelessness here. And in this article that you refer to, Becky, he says that we are loving them to death and, and this is not what's good for them. And I can't agree more back when I worked in the police department, I dealt with a lot of homeless people. And again, it was, it was the same situation, but nothing like it is today because back in those days, we did not cater to it. We, we didn't allow them to sleep all over the place. We didn't allow them to pitch tents and wherever they wanted to. And since that time, there have been numerous uh, judicial rulings, uh, one especially, and I don't remember if it was Washington State or Oregon, where the judge um, really changed the paradigm and said, well, if, if they pitch a tent or they sit in their car in front of your house, that's their domicile, and you can no longer move them or arrest them. So that's why you have these tents everywhere now, and people defecating and urinating uh, on the property and it, you have needles and drugs and all types of things around. So, but I want to talk about the big problem and how this happened and, and why we got where we are. Because back in Ronald Reagan's day, when they started closing the mental hospitals, they closed the mental hospitals and they put people in homes. So it, rather than being in, in a state facility, they put them in these transition homes. Well, a lot of people are not able to make their own decisions. And in the hospital setting, they had medications that they had to take. The ACLU went to court and said, well, you can't force people to take medications. So if they don't want to take them, they don't have to take them. So you put them in a setting of of a home, a transition type home, and they choose not to take their medication, you can't make them. So people devolved, disintegrated mentally that had been doing okay on their medication because now they didn't have to take it and nobody could force them to take it. Nor was it required that they stay in those homes. So where in the hospital setting, they were kind of locked in, now they didn't have to stay in the homes. So they migrated to the streets because they had no way to get a job. They had no job skills and they had no mental capacity to, to do a job. So then what happened in society is that those people got mixed up with the other people that were the drug addicts on the streets. The, the mentally ill people are perfect victims for these people to either get them hooked on drugs or to uh, 
to rape them, to rob them, to beat them up, to do whatever, because these people are mentally ill. So they end up getting addicted to drugs as well, many of them. But but you have people that are just so helpless out there, and now they have no safety net, which we gave them before we closed the mental hospitals. So fast forward, you get more drug addicts, more criminals, more mentally ill people on the street because there is nowhere for them to go now. And our mental health services in America are abysmal. And we've talked about this before. So to today, after you have judges rulings, like this judge that said your domicile is your tent or your car, wherever you choose to park yourself, and nobody can do anything about it. Now the police can't move them along. And now we are all victims of them in so many ways, and they are victims of each other. And there is a segment of the population, that third segment, which can be young people, or which can be lazy people, or which can be people on, you know, uh, bad times that end up homeless for a time. They get into that whole scene too. What happens? They get drug addicted alcohol addicted. It's it's all just something that we have perpetrated that we could fix starting with mental health and with, with not giving people, not making it legal to have the drugs, not giving them tickets or nothing for having drugs. Uh, we, we just have, we have done this to society and it's going to take a lot to fix it to your question, Becky, it's a lot to fix it, but it's fixable. And the way that it's fixable is by not allowing these people to be there. We need a place for the mentally ill. We owe that to our people in this country. How, how dare we treat them this way? Um, to the drug addicts, uh, we need it to be much harder on them either put them in some sort of rehab that is mandatory that they cannot get out of or put them in jail, but not on their streets, because all we're doing is perpetrating it. And to the people that are just the lazy ones, get a job or don't need, I don't care. But that that's where we're at, Judy. <laughs> well, yeah, the um, when I, I this is a, a big issue for me. I, um, I experienced it uh, greatly when Brian and I lived in LA, we lived in Venice beach, California for 10 years. And, um, and there was a larger, there was a larger homeless population at that time, uh, there. Um, but when I look at, so let's kind of deconstruct this a little bit. This is, I believe that our homeless problem is actually uh, a drug addiction problem. I have said in the past on our programs that uh, I believed it was a mental illness problem. And I think that there is a portion of people definitely that suffer from mental illness and are homeless as a result of it, as a result of the Reagan era shutting down all of the institutions. And yet when you look at statistics, it's really been in the last, I would say, you know, three to five years that we've had 
we've always had a homeless problem. Okay. But I believe that we have a homeless epidemic at this time. It, it, it's a completely, it's a whole different level of homelessness. And it is definitely in correlation with the laws that have been passed in those cities that are suffering the most. So let's look at Portland, Oregon. In 2020, they completely decriminal, decriminalized possession of drugs, of many different drugs, including fentanyl. Okay. That correlates with the opening of our borders. We have wide open borders. Okay. So now we have a flood of fentanyl uh, coming over the border. And and that again is thanks to policies that have been put in place in the last three years. Okay. Two to three years. And we, so we decriminalized people for possessing drugs and we're feeding it to them like candy. We're opening up our borders to the cartel to just bring it over the border and feed it to our citizens. And, you know, I don't, it's not necessarily a, um, a question of being lazy, uh, or having enough, um, you know, motivation to go get a job. When you're addicted to drugs, all you can think about is your next fix. And the fat and and yet you want your fix, but you cannot get a job because you have to be there at a certain time. And and you might, how can you function if all you can think about is your next fix, right? Um if you are strung out on drugs, there's no possible way that you're going to hold down a job. There's no way. And so when, when somebody comes up to my window and I, I mean, I remember when we lived in Venice, I was coming out of Safeway and there was a guy standing there with his dog and we all have these stories, right? And he has his sign and he needs, you know, money to feed his dog, right? He needs money. And I, said, you know, I have, I just live in a little one bedroom apartment that I rent. Okay. Uh, there on, you know, third Avenue in Venice beach, right. With the love of my life. And I have, we have no money, but I, we work our butts off right to pay our rent. Uh, and I had this little patch of land, you know, on um, next to the stoop of my, my little apartment. And I said, if you come and weed that, and plant these flowers. I just bought some flowers. I will pay you 20 bucks. I'll give you 20 bucks. It's like an hour's worth of work, maybe, you know, and at the time we're talking about late eighties guys. Okay. And he said, ah, nah, that's okay. Right. <laughs> that's okay. I don't want to come and do that. No, thanks. And, um, we've all had those stories, but it is not just a homeless problem any longer. It's a homeless epidemic that is uh, absolutely tied to um, the drug addiction and the lenient laws. We don't have any laws against drugs, basically, hardly anymore uh, in these states that uh, are overrun with homelessness. Um, and I, it definitely, I think we have to start with the laws and and I think that people will argue with me, well, it's inhumane. Why should we 
you know, why should we um, arrest somebody who has a problem, who has a drug problem? Um, and it's not that, okay? The process is you you arrest this person, okay? The, they serve their time. And when they're there, they have to get off of drugs, right? You're, he doesn't have, they don't, he or she, um, they do not have access to drugs when they're in um, incarcerated. And so, you know, I think that we need to put our money and our time and our policies and our laws um, to helping people actually get off of drugs, to give them a reason. They don't have a reason. There is no reason for them to get clean at this point. No, there's not. And you know what? In China, it, they have a no drug policy and you are absolutely incarcerated or worse if you are caught with drugs. I don't know what we're doing here to our people with this drug policy. Well, I, you know, yeah, I'm making them slaves is what we're doing. <laughs> I'm going to, it's not devil's advocate really, but uh, in saying that we need to arrest the people that are doing drugs and put them in jails, I think we could have a whole other conversation about the prison, the the jails and the prisons that are absolutely overrun and there's no more room and they're putting people in prison because they're on drugs, not because they are. And, and yes, it's a crime to be doing the drugs that are illegal, but that if could, I'm not saying putting a person in jail because they do drugs, but because they possess drugs, because they purchase drugs, because they sell drugs. Yes. Okay. But you also were making the assumption that they do their time, then they're released, meaning that they have re rehabilitated. And that's where, that's where another rub comes in. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. 
For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan. A plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. I have a relative who is addicted to drugs and is an alcoholic and is a transgender. <laughs> what more can I add to this, right? It's, there's a lot. There's a lot to this story. But are they homeless? You know, this person has a home. We're not sure how they're paying for it, which is kind of besides the point. But the point is, he has been arrested several times for drunk driving. Um, I'm not sure that they've gotten him on drug possession, but they throw him in jail. He gets out and within hours, he's back to doing drugs and alcohol again. And he has, he, she is still legally married and living with the person because they need each other for the financial aspect, however meager it is, but he has killed that person's dog. I mean, it's, it's very like you could write a movie on this, but he's not rehabilitating every time they're putting him into jail. And he's been at rehab centers for um, you know months at a time. He's not rehabilitating, and it's so he's choosing not to be though back, he's right? But how many do? I mean, it seems like drug addicts, and I I'm making an assumption here, just so that's clear because I don't understand it, but it does seem like it takes a lot to get a person to finally say. You know what? I'm done with that. I don't want that lifestyle. I don't want to be living on the streets. I want to be done with drugs. I really want to, and then stick with it. I don't think you can do that on your own. I think that takes a lot of work and a lot of encouragement. And whether that comes from professionals or people that just really care, I don't know how that happens. I also don't know what we can really do with people the homeless and the drug addicted when we don't have facilities for them. Okay. Okay. What we did <laughs> is but we, we don't. what we did is we started closing prisons, started closing people, uh, releasing people out of prisons and closing them down. So we can certainly reopen the prisons, but when we, did this big social experiment of decriminalizing drug use. What we did is we, it's a huge failure. It's a huge failure in every single place they've done it. 
it ha- it has made more homeless people, more drug addicted people, more crime. And and why should civilized society? Why should we have to put up with that? The, this this social experiment and this um, misplaced social justice that they have in saying, oh, you know, we don't want to arrest people who are are doing drugs, selling drugs. We just let everybody out. All we did is we created more drug addicts, and that's not what any of us want because there but for the grace of God go any of our adult children. Okay. So I, I think that that we need to reverse what we've done here because it hasn't been successful. The this big social experiment about letting everybody take drugs and, and decriminalizing everything has not been successful. It has turned cities like Portland and Seattle and Nashville and others into toilets. And, and it wasn't that way. So, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't that way. When, when you go walk down the street in Nashville now, you, the, the homeless, which weren't there before under the Republican mayor, but right. now under the democratic mayor, um, it's full of homeless people and they line the streets where you walk in front of all the clubs and the signs that they hold say, why lie? Need beer. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not like, give me, give me money what? for food. They, yeah. they just want, you know, just give me beer. Um, right. it's, it's, it's a joke. And, and we have created this with our, um, this big social justice experiment that, that we've been doing with our liberal judges and our liberal district attorneys. And, and what we should be doing is completely the opposite. We, we should be those people that that don't play by the rules in society so that everybody can can live you know freely because do you think the people in portland and the businesses can live freely i have to go to portland in a couple of weeks just to fly out of i don't even want to go through there to be honest um it 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 has changed dramatically and it was a beautiful place as was seattle as was nashville as was new york city as was so many other cities in this country that are going to hell in a handbasket. But add to that all the drugs coming over the border. I mean, just unheard of amounts. All What can we expect? More homeless, more people on our streets, more crime, because what do they have to do to get money to pay for their drugs? They have to steal it somewhere. They have to you know, beat somebody up or they have to rob your business or they have to burglarize something. I have to sell something that they stole. I mean, I don't, this is not brain surgery. This is pretty simple stuff. We need to stop it and, and go back to being hard on it. And maybe the answer is not to imprison drug users, Becky, but, but it, and if people choose to use drugs and they, they use them. That may not be the crime, but who's ever selling it, 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 it's a crime. But why, why are we so willing to let people ruin their lives? And, you know, if it was one of our children, you, any of the three of us would be devastated. Okay. Any of the three of us would be 
I mean, just we would spend our life like worried about our kids so much if if that was our kids on the street. I, I don't know all the answers to it, but I know that this is not working for sure. How oh, do we right. go? Back? How do we revert back to being hard well, on drugs? Well, well, stronger, stronger laws. Yeah, stronger with stronger, laws, laws, stronger, stronger sure. district attorneys, stronger. Stop this de decriminalizing everything and make it. Criminal. Now we have no cash bonds, right? Right. You have all of those same cities um, have, you know, are fighting for no cash bonds. Okay. So you get arrested for anything except murder. Okay. And you're back out on the street, just free as a bird. Right. And you're in your ass just to come back, come on back, come mm -hmm. on back for your court date. Okay. And not, and they have nothing at risk. Um, the, the bottom line is, okay, I have had personal experience with drug addiction with my sister, whom I love. And I've talked about this before, but I'm going to tell you that she would not function. She would not choose to get clean while I was taking care of her. Okay. She is at this point, she's a 60 year old woman. But when I, you know, I, um, I took her in, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have vouched for her. I have taken her to rehab. I have, um, you know, gone before the court and, and pleaded for them to go quote unquote easy on my sister. Okay. Um, I took her in and she lived with me for a year and I cared for her. I, you know, and, um, she used me and it wasn't her, it was the drugs. It wasn't my sister using me. It was the addiction using me. Okay. To get what it needed. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell everybody that's sitting here listening to us that, you can't make somebody get help. Okay. The only thing that you can do is cut them off from their supply. All right. From the supply of money, from the supply of ease, from the supply of, you know, um, here live, you know, go ahead, pitch a tent. It's okay. Let me bring you food. Let me bring you water. We read that article right? About, uh, that what, Kevin, what is his last name? I'm getting back there. Um, he's an expert on, on homelessness. And he told us a story of how, you know, uh, as he walked to work every day, he would pass this guy that was holed up in a, in a, um, you know, the entrance of an old abandoned dance studio. Mm -hmm. And, he would bring him food and he would bring him water every other day. Okay. And then uh, Kevin ended up going on vacation with his family and was gone for two weeks. And when he came back, he kind of checked on the guy and he couldn't find him. He crawled into the little cardboard box. He was laying there almost dead. And he said, why didn't why didn't you go get food and water? Well, I, and he said, well, I was waiting for you to bring it to me. Okay. He, our Kevin trained him, right. 
to depend on him. And right now in our culture, our government is training people to depend on them, to depend on them for food, for water, for whatever shelter there is. Um, they're depending on the government to not prosecute them when they break the law. Okay. Which, you know, having possession of drugs or selling drugs, they now are depending on the government to, if they do break the law by high, you know, by carjacking or, um, armed robbery, um, you, you know, you go and you get arraigned and you're out within that day because now we have, you know, no cash bond in all of these same cities. Well, and so, what this man said was, I totally agree with back from the Bible, um, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. And that empowers people. And we have taken that away by our government giving everything. And this is just, this is what a socialist government looks like. They, they take care of you cradle to grave, but they don't really take care of you at all. Who, who, who should take care of you? You should take care of yourself. That's who should take care of you. And, and that's not happening. Mm -mm. And, you know, my sister was 50 years old, a 50 year old woman okay, who was a nurse at one point, she's completely 100% capable of caring for herself. There, the guy that this that Kevin was giving food and water to he was 30 years old, wow. completely capable of going to work. People are making $18 an hour at McDonald's right now. Okay. You, there, there's opportunity abound to take care of yourself. The deal is they're not making that choice. We all have free will choice. Every single person on this planet always, always has a choice. It may not be the choice that you want, but you choose your life and you choose to get out of it or not. I really. It seems, it seems to be the choices that are being made are are pot shops on every corner. Mm -hmm. I'm right. floored by my little hometown of it. When I grew up there, it was 17,000. It's probably down to about 13 now. Mm -hmm. And within this community of 13,000 people or less, the demographics have changed completely from when I lived there. I won't say what year that was because <laughs> then I'll sound old. But it was it was decades ago, and now there are five, as of mm -hmm. me speaking right now, there are five pot shops in this little community, and the number of people on welfare, and the crime, and the businesses that have left, and the businesses that interestingly have burned down in that community. Um, drugs changed things. Right. And and drugs change people, and that's we we do. I agree with everything, Judy and Linda, that you're saying, and I, I wish I was wise enough to know how to do something to begin to help make that change. My question: you know, is, the, the drugs are not just just 
that person's problem. They're, they're all of our problem mm-hmm. because, because we are the people whose homes they break into. We are the people who get knocked over the head while we're getting in our car at the mall and have our purse stolen. I mean, this, this is, it affects everybody. It affects all the children who have to walk by these people day in and day out. I mean, San Francisco has become from, from a beautiful, uh, just a, a, one of the great cities of the world to an absolute nightmare to go to. I won't go there. The streets are full of, um, you know, drug paraphernalia and homeless people and, um, just, you know, all manner of bodily fluids and things. It's, it's not a place I want to go. And what, what has happened then, like you say, to all these people who, who put their, their blood, sweat and tears into starting a small business there, whether it be a grocery store, a fast food place or a cleaners or whatever it is. And and they can't stay in business because of the climate of what people in our government have done. It's, it's crazy. I, I San Francisco was one of my favorite cities in the whole world. I adored it. I loved going there. And now it's disgusting. It is just horrendous. And I don't understand it because people keep voting in the you know, the people who create these policies. Isn't that the truth? And th- and there's the rub. That's and it. and you have to say why why do you vote for these people? Do I don't this? understand it. Why do you want this? This is not, and if they do it under the guise of being compassionate, mm-hmm. right? Oh. It's not compassionate. You're destroying people's lives with these policies. It is absolutely a false compassion. Absolutely. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. 
No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And today I am sounding off with Judy Moran. Judy is the Vice President of Client Relations at the 12-week year. And with Becky Kolmeinen, who is our voiceover artist, our um, voice talent. Her lovely voice is right here on this show every day. You can hear it. Um, And I'm Linda Martinelli, business owner. And I want to say again where, where we all hail from because we're in different areas of the country. I'm in Texas. Becky is in Michigan. And Judy is in Arizona. So we're... We're left, right, and center today. Um, (laughs) Judy, in Arizona, Governor Ducey, just about the time that you moved over there, um, had one just one of the most forward-thinking laws that I've seen in this country in some time, and he got a whole lot of kudos for it, which was to have the biggest and best voucher school system for your students in Arizona. And 45,000 students have taken advantage of that just since last July. And they get up to $7,000 a year. Their parents can take them out of their school and put them in a school of their choice, which I absolutely love. My tax money should go where I want my child to go. Your new Democratic governor, Katie Hobbs, uh, wants to take all of that away from Arizonans. What's going on over there? What's going on over there? Oh, Miss Katie Hobbs is just living up to one of her um, campaign deals that she made with the union. That's what she's doing. Okay. Um, What, why would she possibly, I mean, if, if you took away the fact that she's probably beholden to all of the unions, all of the teacher unions, okay. Um, who got her, who helped to get her elected. Okay. Um, They don't want competition. I believe in competition. I believe competition makes you better. Competition always makes me, if I'm running with a friend of mine, I'm going to run harder and faster (laughs) than when I run all by myself. Competition lets the best, most innovative uh, company, the best, most Uh, the smartest, uh, most innovative person rise to the top. And I believe personally that our our education system actually should run the same way. Why would it be bad? Why would she not want um, uh, a student, for instance, if you looked at all students across the board, all across Arizona and said, whether you live in the inner city or you live, you know, in the rich suburbs of Paradise Valley, everybody gets the same amount towards their education. Okay. And you can spend it wherever you want. So what a dream, what a dream. If I'm a, if I'm a a mom of a child who's going to school in the inner city at a school where there's shootings, where um, where they're struggling with just the basics. Why wouldn't I want to take my seven thousand dollars 
and take my child out of that school and put my child in a school that has a much higher graduation rate, that has a safer campus, that has a better food program. Um, I, I don't, why would that be bad? Why, why would she choose to end that program? Um, I pay taxes, I pay property taxes, and um, I also put my children in private school. Why do I put my children in private school? I put my children in private school because they're getting a better education. Because also we've taken God out of our classrooms. And I want my child to be uh, exposed to Christ and, um, and to have a moral compass. And I, I, I definitely want their, the, te the teachers and the people that are guiding them to have a biblical base. Um, this is very important to me. And we've taken all of that out of our education system. All of it. What about the CRT? Is that not in the school that your daughter goes to as opposed to the public schools there? I don't know if it's even there or not. Right, exactly. No, CRT is not taught in the school that my daughters go to. Um, but I'm I'm it's definite I'm sure it's taught in the public school here. And I want to choose what my children are exposed to. They're my children. I'm their parent. Okay. In the article that I'm reading, it says, and I'm quoting the article, opponents of the expansion argue that it lacks oversight and diverts much needed funding from public schools. They also say it primarily benefits families wealthy enough to afford private school expenses above what the ESAs cover. Mm -mm. And it says the ESA program was previously limited to children with special needs, students at low performing schools, military families, and residents of Native American reservations. And Hobbes wants to return it to that level. You know, why, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to give all children, all families choice in where their children are educated, whether they live, you know, in the hoity-toityville or they're living in the inner city. Everybody should have the same opportunity and when you look at the cost of private schools, let's actually look at them. The money that that uh, Katie Hobbs is taking away from each family um, would pay for private school. It would pay for it. Um, it would pay for a charter school. It would pay for a private school. Well, and what what she's saying actually doesn't make sense because how could it help the rich people more? Because they already could afford it. But but who it really helps statistically, it helps black families. It helps families on low income to put their children in a place that they choose to either have some religious uh, affiliation to or to not have the um, the curriculum that we're seeing in the public schools. And what the Democrats want to do is they want you to have to put your children where they want you to put your children. And even though you're paying the tax money, they're not paying it. The, the, we're, we as you know, families are all paying tax money to put the kids in school. 
So we absolutely should have the choice as to where our um, our kids go. That's there, There's no question. I, I just think that this is a despicable thing to do. And I, I just wonder if, if the population in Arizona were polled somehow, would... Mm-hmm. What, what what would they say? I mean, what what would the the vote be? Would it be yes, take away this charter money from these people and and put them all in public school, or would it be uh, no? We we love this because what I heard when Governor Ducey put this in effect was that the people in Arizona were thrilled about this. Mm-hmm. Truly, everybody was thrilled about. It. Well, not everybody, not the teachers' unions. Oh, of course the- not. <laughs> well, who it's, have it's, more money than than any rich person? Hey, and it's, I, it, it states um, Peterson said Hobbs' proposal could alienate voters on both sides of the aisle. It would be a huge debacle and mistake for her to eliminate the ESA program because you have a ton of minorities and you have a ton of low income people. You have a mm-hmm. lot of her base that benefit very much from the ESA and from our base, from all of our base. So yes, she could. It, it kind of doesn't make any sense. Really? Now, this is interesting. So when we went through the whole COVID, um, you know, situation where, uh, you know, they were closing our schools and they and they, you know, kept our children home. Um, and now, obviously, the science is showing that that actually didn't do anything um, other than damage our children's education. I don't know if you noticed, but well, I mean, I did because I I have children in school at this time, but the amount of children that left the public school system and went into the private sector with their parents, pulled them out of the public school and put them in a private school where the private schools didn't have the same restrictions of the mask mandate, or we had in-person learning. Um, We were much more progressive and actually um, let science lead the way and not the teachers unions. Um, It was, it is amazing how much our little school, our little private school grew because, because, parents pulled them out of public schools uh, and put them into the private school so that they could actually be educated. Interesting. Not having children of that age. I really have no idea what was happening with private schools during COVID. It, It was, it was, it's horrendous. We have lost two full years of learning in our education system. That I do because it's just, um, and to, for, for, I, I, I just think that, um, it's a mess. I think that when you get the teachers unions involved and they, they don't think that they allow teachers to actually teach teachers just have to teach the, the, the union, um, agenda, the agenda. Yeah, so in this, those teachers unions are the worst thing to happen to to schools. They they've gone completely so far left um, as to 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 say things like that the parents shouldn't have a dis- decision about what their kids are taught. I mean, okay. uh, that's ludicrous. That's it who is- should have the decision, right? It's ridiculous. Is she- 
Is she saying it's just charter schools or is it also school of choice? It's school of choice. Any school of choice. We now we did school of choice for our daughter. Mm-hmm. And we we live in a very small community of about 11,000 and investigating the school, the high school at that time, we didn't feel that it offered her the extracurriculars that she had interests in that in our estimation would help her develop into the person she has become, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to, it was a lottery system. I had to put her name into several other schools in the area. And we, even though it's school of choice, it was done through a lottery. So you put your name into these other schools and if they have space, that's where your child ends up fitting in. Mm-hmm. Long story short, she ended up going where we wanted her to go, which was, and turned out to be fabulous and wonderful. And we're so so grateful for that experience. Um, you know, how would things have turned out? I mean, I've, I've talked to some people that have graduated, some kids that have graduated from the little high school here who have told me that they wished they would have had the opportunities that our daughter had at the other school. So I'm very grateful for that. But you know what? A lot of sending them to a charter school or a private school does require some sacrifices on on the parents it's not just for the wealthy or we we by no means have ever been wealthy so we make choices and having this be taken away so that in the state of arizona it's not an option i would be pretty devastated oh well yeah and and statistically again it it is it is lower income families, people of color, people that don't have good schools in their neighborhoods that take advantage of these programs. And I, it's, it's amazing to me that a Democratic governor who's supposed to be for exactly that group of people, at least that's what they profess, is that that they're for the, the um, kind of the underdogs, I guess, that 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 they would do this to them and take away one of the best tools that they have to allow their children to uh, thrive and to grow and to learn in life and, and not be in a school that is, um, you know, some of these schools in, in the poor areas are very, very um, in disrepair and have, have, you know, issues with, kids being cold and and not good food supplements there. And, you know, just lots of different issues. You can't get good teachers in the area, whatever it is. But again, I don't care if a parent is rich or if they are the poorest of the poor, they deserve to give their child the best that they can give them. And that should be their choice and not the state's choice. I, I just think that this is a really, really despicable act. And, and what it's saying is that I know better than you do as a parent, what, what should, what we should teach, what we should do in our schools. And I, I, I resent that. And, and that, that's, that's just, right. I just hope that Arizonans really, really speak up about this. Well, she's throwing out the money card. She's stating in her first state of the state address last week, she states 
that this expansion will cost Arizona $1.5 billion over the next decade. And she says, I quote, it will bankrupt the state. No, I think she's lying. She's lying. That. She's completely lying. She's but people, cost the you know, state. people will buy that. People will buy into that. And the minute well, that you hear, <gasps> we can't be, we're going to be bankrupt if we continue on this path. Money. It's money that we're already spending as taxpayers. Okay. Right. Just choosing where we want our tax dollars to go. The money is already there. You just said it, Judy, choosing where you want your money to go. That's what it should be. But exactly. clearly, yeah, be. I would, I'd be marching in the streets. <laughs> this would make me so I gotta angry. go. I gotta go do I that. Know. Yeah. Wow. Would, you, would you start a letter <laughs> writing campaign posted. or something in your I'm, spare I'm time? I'm already pulling up her email right now and, and uh, the legislature. So well, shame on news. Katie Hobbs. Right. Katie, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, the good news um, in the article is stating that the powers that be currently are saying there's no way this is going to happen. There's no way it's going to get through. There's just. Good. I yeah. hope you can't I'm put praying. the genie back in the bottle. I'm praying. I'm praying that doesn't happen. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. <laughs>